Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always. Welcome to the podcast. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about range calculations. Um, For some reason, when people prepare for an exam, uh, they sometimes forget that the code knowledge is extremely important, how to navigate the National Electrical Code, how to be able to pull out key terms, um, pick them out, and then sometimes it's not that easy. In other words, it's if we could just use the index for everything, then that would be great. We could just send somebody in. They could take a test, use the index, provided there's enough time to take the test, uh, because if you have to look everything up, you're probably going to run out of time anyway. But we teach you how to go through the courses and learn to pull out things that are just committed to memory, and then stuff you need to look up. But you need to to limit your research time, if you if I shall say, in the code book by understanding some of the basic concepts and being able to maneuver through the code a little bit better, understanding the articles, the parts, the sections, all those type of things. So you should spend a lot of time focusing on that. But the other part of that is calculations. Now, in many parts of the country, they still have tests where the calculations are embedded into the normal knowledge-based test. And so as you go through it, you might only get a handful of calculations that, for the most part, if you were to just skip them, or logically guess, well, I should say an educated guess, that you probably could get the answer right. Um, But many states are now going, Texas being one of them, uh, is a a two-part test. Uh, And other states will have more extensive tests. And, of course, there's some states that don't let you use a marked-up code book. Some don't let you use tabs. Some you get there, they give you a code book that they issue to you. So you really need to, I mean, Tabs aren't 100% necessary. Uh, that's why the, the numbers at the bottom corners and of the code book, so you can flip through it pretty quickly. It, so it's just a, a helpful tool. Um, formulas, you just have to learn to remember some of them. Uh, you know, voltage drop formulas and things like that, Ohm's Law, uh, all those types of things, Watt's Law. You just got to memorize those things. And in many states... They'll even give you a sheet ahead of time that will have some of these formulas on there. So, again, it depends on what state you're in. Uh, not all of them are creating. I do find some of the states that are more restrictive in what they'll let you use tend to be an easier exam when it comes to the questions, whereas the ones that are open to let you tab and mark things or highlight tend to be a more exhaustive exam. So it's kind of an even balance. Again, I don't, I'm not saying that I know every state, but I'm just kind of giving you that overview. Um, so today's episode, though, we want to talk about the, the portion of calculations and one specific portion that seems to cause stress to people, uh, but it really shouldn't, is the calculations dealing with ranges. Now, of course, today, to keep it simple, we're going to talk single family type of ranges. And I should remind you, for those that are preparing for an exam, uh, we do have a free webinar as part of our webinar series. It's our way of giving back is we are having a webinar, I believe it's July 13th at 1 p.m. Uh, you sign up by sending us uh, your, your, your name uh, and that you wish to attend the webinar. 
Uh, and uh, you send that to info at masterthenec.com. Again, that's July 13th, 2019. So if you're listening to this later, that might have passed. Uh, but we offer webinars all the time on different topics. So, uh, But anyway, um, you're going to go and simply watch that from our website. So even if you didn't register of the day of the actual webinar, you can actually go to our website, masterthenec.com, click on the webinar link at the top, and you can get your way there, and you can watch it live as it's going on. Um, and then, of course, after it's over, we will post the most recent webinar on that page so that it's kind of loops and loops and loops. So that in case you missed it, you can go back and watch it. All right, so today we're going to try to help out the basics, the 30,000-foot view on range calculations uh, because a lot of people stress over that. So, of course, that means we're going to be in Article 220 of the National Electrical Code. Um, and we're most specifically going to be in Part 3, okay, because we're going to be dealing with range calculations, not so much the general application, but just range calculations because we're not in Part 2 uh, because in Part 2, we're dealing with branch circuit load calculations. Of course, we need that application if we're running a branch circuit to a range and things like that. But we're kind of talking calculations, okay? We're talking the big picture, how I would come up with a calculation to uh, for a load calculation for a feeder or for service, okay? How I figure, figure that out. And so, uh, although there is a note dealing with the branch circuit aspect of that, number four, that we'll probably maybe just barely touch on, but we're going to cover all these things in more detail in the webinar. So I just wanted to make sure that we just kind of gave some 30,000-foot view for those studying the code, learning the code, um, and learning it how it applies to the to the real world. Now, I do get a lot of people that say, Paul, the National Electrical Code is not the real world. For those that teach the code and do the code, they aren't the people that actually touch it with their hands, and you're, you would be full of crap, okay? Every electrician needs to understand the National Electrical Code. The more you understand it, the easier it is to do your job. You only get paid to do it once. If you don't do it in accordance with the minimum safety standards, you're going to be doing it again. Okay? And I am not paying you if I'm the customer or I'm the owner. I'm not going to pay my staff to do things twice. So understanding the code, understanding how it applies is extremely important. With that said, we're going to go to section 55. That's 220.55. And we're going to read it because now we're going to talk about... Uh, electric cooking appliances in dwelling units and household cooking appliances used in instructional programs. So it's like a home ec program, okay? All right, so here's what it says, and we'll just kind of read it, and we'll kind of play it out. It says, the load for household electric ranges, wall-mounted ovens, counter-mounted cooking units, that'd be like a cooktop, and other household cooking appliances individually rated in excess of one and three quarter kilowatts. Now remember, as you go through your calculations, you'll know that kilowatts, for example, is synonymous or equivalent to KVA. Okay? Going to be important because you're going to have to break you're going to break all of this down into VA when you do your overall calculations within your uh, optional calculation or your standard calculation or whatnot. You're going you're gonna to need to understand how to do that. And of course, we have videos on our website. Uh, just go to our website at masterthenec.com. And at the top, you'll see a link to the YouTube channel. Go over to the YouTube channel 
And all you got to do is just look through and search through all of our videos and you'll find the video on residential single family calculations and we will show you how that works. All right. So it also reminds us that when they are in excess of one and three quarter KW, it shall be permitted to be calculated in accordance with table 220.55. Now, when it says shall be permitted, that's a permissive statement because you can actually use the value of the piece of equipment that is over one and three quarter if you want. But you're getting an allowance, a permission, if you will, to apply some demand and some derating to the actual application by using table 220.55. So again, I could just add up all nameplates and just go with that, but I'm getting some permission here uh, because we, again, we don't need to build the service any larger. There is diversification involved. And so this gives us the allowance, or this gives us the direction to tell us, hey, you can take the face value, but hey, I'm gonna let you use this table, okay? So in using that table, uh, we're, that's what we're going to kind of look at the table today. And again, being a podcast, I'm just trying to paint you a, a mental picture of that. All right. All right. So we're going to keep it right there for, elect, you know, for the uh, electric cooking appliances and dwelling units and household cooking appliances. Now, another thing to talk about. Clarity. Single family dwellings or a dwelling unit inside of a multifamily dwelling still are going to apply here to 220.55, okay? It's a dwelling unit. I have a lot of people out there that say, well, a dwelling unit is not a single-family dwelling, and that's not correct. There are dwelling units, and a dwelling unit will have all the elements of cooking, cleaning, sanitation, and living, but that's a given for a single-family dwelling, all right? So the calculation for ranges and using 220.55 is going to apply to the individual dwelling unit, because in a multifamily dwelling, we're going to calculate the load of that individual unit first. And only then can we go through the process of calculating out the service or feeder applications. So in a single family dwelling, you don't have all these other options of these different dwelling units. You have the dwelling unit. It's a single family dwelling. Okay. I think I don't know why that becomes a struggle for people uh, to understand because they do struggle between the word dwelling units and single family dwelling when you go back and look at the definitions. But again, we know what a dwelling unit and it's the reason they have different names is because throughout the code, the specific term is used for different things. So you have to understand the context of how it's being used. Anyway, it makes common sense. If I've got to deal with an appliance, uh, the electric cooking appliance load in a single family dwelling, I have to do it also in a dwelling unit. So it just makes sense, but I don't know why people would get too confused over that. So let's keep it on the side of dealing with that for single family and how we would apply uh, table 220.55. I should make one note there. You'll see that if you go to the right and you keep reading along, you'll see that there isn't also a statement that says, and I quote, where two or more single-phase ranges are supplied by a three-phase four-wire feeder or service, the total load shall be calculated on the basis of twice the maximum number of connected between any two phases. Now, this is a formula that it's dealing with. Maybe I have an application where I have a three-phase system, right? And I'm coming off of that three-phase four-wire system, but I'm feeding with single-phase off of that to some ranges in a building, 
Okay, so I'm only pulling off two phases. Um, so there's a calculation you have to do. That's for a different podcast. There is a podcast out there. Go back and look where I talk about calculating this exact application. Okay, so I don't want to rehearse that. Uh, but I can tell you, for example, on the Texas exam, this is a question that would be on the exam. Okay, asking you how to deal with this. Okay, so you have to go through the motions of how to do this calculation. And I'm not sure why people freak over it, because it's pretty simple. It's just pretty much a few steps, you know. So in the question, you'll give the number of ranges. So you divide the number of ranges by three. Obviously, it's three phase. And then as it says in the code, you'll multiply by that two. And this will give you the maximum number of ranges between any two phases. So that first step is pretty simple. Now, using the final number... From step one, whatever that number might have been, to go to table 220.55 and find the demand. So once you do that first step, then you just go to the table and treat that as the number of ranges and then you can use the table. So it's that first step that people tend to get confused with. That's just coming up with the total number. Then you go to find the demand. Then you take the demand that we did from step two, which is use table 220.55, which I'm going to show you in a minute. And you're going to divide it by two. And this will give you the per phase demand if you need that. And then you take the, the demand per each phase that we just did in step three. And you multiply it by three. And this is the VA. Okay. Now this is the same thing for dryers as you would for the ranges. If you're getting a single phase that's being derived from a three phase. Okay. So there's another video on that. I don't want you or actually I think I do a video on this. Uh, and I have a podcast on it. So if you didn't understand that, don't stress. You're studying for your exam. You got plenty of time. All right. So go look for that video, uh, and uh, it will explain how to do this application. All right. So let's get back to what our intent was of today's podcast, and that is to look at Table 220.55. Now. In your career, you're going to have to do it. Now, most of the time, single-family dwellings. I'm going to be honest with you. Most electricians don't know how to do, well, I, you know what, I'm not going to say most. A large number of electricians have no real idea how to do a real calculation on a dwelling. They don't. They've just done so many that they can look at it and they go, well, that's a 200 amp service or that's a 150 amp service. And if they don't know, they go, well, that looks like a 150 amp service. It's very little loads. And if there's any gas appliances at all in there, for the big appliances, they immediately go, oh, well, yeah, yeah doesn't need to be 200 it can be 150 but since I don't know and I don't really want to calculate it I'll just make it 200 because that's a very common service um, I don't have any problem with that except for I like to feel that people should really know how to do the calculation now look even if you do a calculation you can go watch my video uh, that I did on a previous webinar on single-family dwelling calculations even if you leave out one little piece maybe one motor or something like it's not going to be the end of the world and you're going to get much closer to being accurate of the load diversity than you would if you guessed, okay? But if you're taking an exam, guessing is not the option. The good news is, barring some states which have a very extensive testing process, uh, for example, North Carolina and other ones in, uh, that really make you sit down and maybe do a long calc, most of them do not go into that detail. They'll only ask you one piece or one component uh, to the calculation. In other words, if they're asking you a range calculation, they're not doing it 
in order to get the big picture of the entire service or feeder. They're just trying to find the answer to that one range calculation. And so what I mean by that is many times it's simple. It's pretty simple that if I have a 11 kW range in a single family dwelling and I'm permitted to use table 220.55, you'll notice that it says under one appliance that we always use column C except as otherwise permitted in note 3. So we'll go look at note 3 in a minute. But what it's saying is in all cases, I use column C. And column C says, all right, look, if the range is not over 12 kW, then one appliance, it doesn't have to exceed 8 kW. So even if it was 11 kW, because the standard calculation allows me, which is different than the optional, which takes nameplate, the standard calculation says, hey, man, I'm going to give you some diversity here. You can use 8KW in your calculation. So I think most electricians just immediately, single range in a dwelling, they just use 8KW and they move on. Um, most single family dwellings, unless they're just these mega mansions, and I have wired a few of those in my time, uh, are going to be uh, possibly over 12KW. Uh, then, of course, you know, you're going to have to go through your full calculations and everything. But understanding that uh, you have a column A, a column B, and a column C. The other thing to remember is really stop and read the title of this table. Okay, Table 220.55 says demand factors uh, and loads for household electric ranges, wall-mounted ovens, counter-mounted cooking units, and other household cooking appliances over one and three-quarter KW ratings. That's That would be 1,750 uh, VA. Um, that, and it's, okay, it says you can use this table. And then it has in parentheses, it says, Column C is to be used in all cases, except it's otherwise permitted in Note 3. Okay? All right. So, look at that. Now, we're going to look at later the notes and how they apply uh, as well because you have to take those notes into consideration and there's certain things you have to do if your ranges are over 12 kW. So if they're not over 12 kW, boom, you go right to column C, happy, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That's your first thing. Now, let's do what it says first and let's assume that we we, we're using column C for whatever the application, however the number of appliances, and we go can use column C because they're not over 12. If they're all the same, then it's pretty simple application. Okay, all right. So let's go down and look at note three and see what note three is telling us. Because otherwise, the charge of this table says to use column C in all cases. So if you go down and you look at note three, here's what note three says. It says. Where it's over one and three quarter kW through eight and three quarter kW in lieu of the method provided in column C. Okay, so it's allowing me now, instead of using what's in column C, which is what's charged at the beginning of the table, it says it shall be permissible to add the nameplate ratings of all household cooking appliances rated not more. Okay. No, excuse me, rated more than one and three quarter kW, but not more than eight and three quarter kW, and multiply the sum by the demand factor specified in column A or B for the given number of appliances. Okay, let me stop there first. So what that is saying, if you look at the column, 
you'll see that it's broken into really two parts here. You have demand factor, which is a percentage, and then you have column C, which is a demand factor, and it's actually a KW value, okay? The right column C is not a percentage. That is the value in KW to utilize for the number of appliances, as long as they don't exceed 12. There was still something we have to do if they do exceed 12, but this is what you do. So A and B are very limited. When I use column A, if I'm dealing with something that's less than three and a half KW, and then I use column B if I'm dealing with something that is three and a half KW through eight and three quarter KW. Okay, so I have these two, so I have this less than three and a half KW, and then I have this three and a half through eight and three quarter, and you determine which column to use accordingly. So in our case, we're already there and we know that. So then we're going to go on further. And the further it says, where the ratings of cooking appliances fall under both. So what I could have is I had, could have a oven and then I could have a counter-mounted cooking unit. One could fall under column A. One could fall under column B. They're falling in this this realm between one and three quarter and eight and three quarter. So I have the ability to apply both column A and column B. So it's telling me what I do when it falls under both of those columns. Remember, I could use C and just walk away. Okay. But here I'm permitted to forego column C and look at column A and B. And when I do that, whichever is less, I'm able to use. Okay, whichever value ends up being less, either it's column C or the result of A or B or both A and B. Because here's what it says do. Where the rating of that cooking appliances falls under both column A and B, the demand factors for each column shall be applied to the appliances for that column. So you do each one that falls within the column separately. Then you take their totals and then you just simply add them together. Then I'm going to compare that with what value I would get, get if I just chose to use column C. And if column C is better than column A or B or the total sum of A and B, then I'm going to take C. If it's less for the use of combined A and B, and I use the percentages that are afforded me there, then I'm going to use the results from column A and B. So you see how you compare the two. And that's how you're going to going to apply it there okay so that's what you do when you're dealing with the note three now any other time you'll be held to column C so that's what I tell people for exams when we do an exam class I'll usually will tell guys I say okay guys just remember C rules the day and A and B when it falls from the the application of one and three quarter through eight and three quarter a and B column and their percentages of their values can come into play. And then you're going to just compare the two and see what your result is, and you can take the lesser of the two in your calculation. Okay, That's the diversity that you get to apply. Now, let's go to a different aspect now. Let's refocus our attention back to column C. Because you remember the charging statement says to use C in all cases except as permitted in, in note three. Well, we just did note three. So now let's look at note one. Now, this is an application where I fall into, well, what happens if the ranges that I'm dealing with are over 12 kW? 
through 27 kW. Alright, but they're all the same exact rating. Okay, so I have two ranges in this house, and they're, I don't know, 13 kW. Okay, 13 kW. Alright, so I'm like, okay, here's where Note 1's kicking in. I obviously can't use column A or B. The percentage aspect of that is gone. I have to be firmly planted in column C. Alright, pretty simple. We get it. And if they're all, if you're lucky enough that all the ranges are the same, alright, then we can move forward. And here's what it says. For ranges individually, and again, each one of them were 13 in our, just our example. Uh, for ranges individually rated more than 12, but not more than 27, the maximum demand in column C shall be increased 5%. For each additional kilowatt, of rating or major fraction, that's 0.5 or greater, thereof by which the rating of individual ranges exceeds 12. All right, so let's do this. We have two ranges, okay, two ranges that are rated 13 kW in my just fictional, whatever you call it, my example today. Okay, so let's kind of look at what we've got here. So we said there's two ranges. They were same, so this is easy. We're in note one. They're both 13 kW. Okay, so then I go back up to table 220.55, and I want to come down, and I'm going to be in C. All right, and we've got our marching orders here. We always use C, and it's telling me, okay, well, I have to increase it 5% for each additional kilowatt of rating or major fraction thereof by which the rating of individual ranges exceeds 12. Well, they, they were 13 kW versus 12. Okay. Now, I go down to the number of them, which is 2. Then I follow it all the way over to the right under column C, and we see that it's 11 is the demand. So I increase that demand, not the value of the ranges, which is the 13 kW. It's the value of the demand has to be increased, and that's what the note says. So it's I know that, it, that, that since... The value exceeds 13 by 1 kW, so that's just 1 5%. So it's easy for me to do the math at that point and say, okay, well, let me do the math. It's going to be 11,000 times 5%. Okay, and so in dealing with this, I'm doing 11,000 and do it plus 5% is 11,550. So if you're taking your exam, that is your VA, okay? So that was a 5% increase because the ranges exceed 12 by one additional kW. And so if you look at the note, that's what it says. It says the demand, the, the maximum demand in column C, so that's what you're using, okay? And a lot of people get confused. They say, well, Paul, I've got two ranges. You're not accounting for both. Of course we are. We're using the demand table to account for two. That's why we're coming down to the two appliances. Okay, You don't have to have 5% for each range. Okay, It's the 5% over the demand because they're all the same. Okay, All the ranges are the same. So it is over 12 kW by what? 1,000 or 1 kW. So that's going to be where you have to increase it 5%. Now, what are you increasing it 5% of? It's the demand, it's the maximum demand that's given in column C is what you're increasing it by. Pretty simple, right? So that's how you do note one. And it's a lot of times that is the question that is on the exam. And it's fairly simple that they give you the ranges in there. You just have to remember you increase it for 
for each additional kilowatt, okay, that exceeds 12. But then you take that value and then you apply it to the value that's under the column C, okay? And so keep it simple and that's how you'd apply it. Now, we can move on to a little more complicated question and that is note number two. So what happens if I get a range that's between eight and three quarter kW and it's through 27 kW? Now, if I get something between that range, then they're in their unequal ratings. Okay, so I might have two ranges. They're not the same rating, but one is over eight and three quarter, and one might be uh, you know higher, but it's not over twenty seven kW. So I've got two of them. All right, now they're unequal. Here's what the code says. It says for ranges individually rated more than eight and three quarter kW, and of different ratings. Okay, so they're more than eight and three quarter, but they're the say you have two of them and they're not exactly the same because if they were, we would be in note one, but we're in note two. Okay, and it says, but none exceed 27 kW. Gotcha. So we still have that window. It says an average value or ratings shall be calculated by adding together the ratings of all ranges to obtain the total connected load. Okay. And it says using 12 kW for any range rated less than, than 12 kW. All right. So let's talk about that first because that first statement really causes people to stress out and it's really not that difficult. All right. So let's see. Let's, let's, let's create a hypothetical because I like doing that. Let's see here. So let's say we have a, a 10 kW. We have a, um, let's see here, a... 13 kW and a 14 kW. Okay, so we got we got three. Let's 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 do the three. All right. So what the code says first, it says now. Here's what it says. It says, and I'm going to read it again because this is the one that I get the most requests about, and so we want to make sure we're clear. When they're over eight and three quarter through 27 kW. Rate, uh, ranges of unequal ratings, and here we have a 10, a 13, and a 14 kW range. So we are, we're, we're unequal. Let's get that straight. Now, there is three of them, but they are unequal. So keep that in mind. Now, none of them exceed 27. So the average value of ratings shall be calculated by adding together the ratings of all the ranges to obtain the total connected load. Remembering here to use 12 kW for any range rated less than 12. So let's do that first. So we have only one of them that's rated less than 12, and that's the 10. So you literally draw a line on the 10, and you make it a 12. For the calculation's sake, that's what you're doing. Then you're going to add them all up. And so that would be 12 plus 13 plus 14. So that gives me 39 kW. Okay? You, you with me so far? Okay, then... It goes on to say, um, after I've added those off the total connected load using 12 kW for ranges rated less than 12 and dividing it by the total number of ranges. Though there's three of them. So we divide that by three. Okay, so it's 39 divided by three is 13. So that's 13 kW. Okay, so we've already done that. Now, then... 
the maximum demand in column C shall be increased 5% for each kilowatt or major fraction thereof by which the average value exceeds 12. Okay, so we still have three. So we go back up to the table and we see, now here's something to remember, that we could take that 39kW if we wanted and run with it. But why would you? Okay, I'm allowed to apply some demands here. So I go up to three appliances, that's what we're dealing with, I go over to the right and you'll see that it is 14, 14 kW. All right, so we say, okay, I got 14 kW. All right, now, how many did I exceed 12? Well, my average was 13. It does exceed 12 by one, so that's a 5%. So as we did for four, I can go 14 plus 5%. All right. So I can do it do it that way. So you get your old calculator out. And I'll go 14,000, because that's what's given here, plus 5% is 14,700. And that is my demand. And that is how I do it using note number two. So that's the biggest one that I get questions from people on. You literally add the sum of them up, okay, as long as they don't exceed past 27 kW. If any of your ranges are less than 12, then you're going to make it 12 anyway. You're going to end up dividing that number by the total number of ranges that you're dealing with. In this case, it was three. Then that's going to give you the value. That's your average. And then it says the maximum demand in column C shall be increased 5% for each kilowatt of or major fraction, 0.5 or greater, thereof by which this average value exceeds 12. In our case, it was 13. That was the average value. And since it exceeds 12 by 1 kW, that's where I'm going to add that 5%, and that's what we did. So I add 5% of the value that's in the demand. Okay, and that case was 14. And that's how we came up with the additional 700 VA. Okay, makes sense? So as you can see, it's not difficult. But I think people stress over it. You just have to know whether or not they're all the same and whether they're not the same. They're unequal. And if they're unequal, if they're going to fall between 8 and 3 quarter and 27 kW. Okay? The last thing is remember that column C rules the day. You see how we utilize it. But column A and B can be used permissively if I happen to have ranges that are between 1 and 3 quarter kW through 8 3 quarter that instead of using C I can use column A or B and if it all falls in A I use A take the number do it by the percentages or if it falls in column C I mean B then I do the same thing if it falls in both of them I do each one individually then I add them together okay so again using nameplates for percentages in A and B uh, and, and all those type of things, and then in the actual demand value in column C. I don't want people to lose sight of how this works, okay? Because this is real important, and it's just a simple function of table 220.55, and I think people stress it out, really. They go, oh my God, I gotta work ranges. It's really this way, whether it's a single range that would be only 8kW if it was not over 12. People say, well, how can I take an 8kW when my range is a uh, uh, 11kW. Because of diversity, you can do it. All right? So that's what the table is saying. Now, 
With that said, when you're getting in multifamily applications and you start getting down to a large number of these ranges, like 26 to 30 of them, uh, then you're going to see that when we're using column C that you're easier to, to use column C, uh, although you do have the same rules that would apply. But when using column C, you'll see that you have a base amount of 15 kW, and then you add 1 kW for each range. So it really depends on the number of ranges. Okay, so you have a baseline, again, using this application. All right, so um, I guess let's go on and talk about note four, might as well. Uh, note four is, deal is, is about when we're dealing with part two, we're doing branch circuit calculations. So for branch circuit loads, it says it shall be permissible to calculate the branch circuit load for one range in accordance with table 220.55. So if I'm sizing branch circuits and I can do everything based on what's one range based on the values of this table, for example, 8KW. If I took an 8KW, which is 8,000 VA, and it divided by 240, then that's going to give me what my ampacity value is, and I size everything according to that. So this is allowing me to do it for the branch circuit. Again, a lot of people, and, I don't, and I'm sure that's not including you listening to this podcast, will sometimes confuse the difference between a branch circuit to a, uh, to a range as, as, as a feeder, and it's not. Okay, So it's a branch circuit. So we're giving you the allowances to calculate it out and use these values in this table for the branch circuit. It's permissible to do so. Okay, Now, it goes on to say... The branch circuit uh, load for one wall-mounted oven or one counter-mounted cooking unit shall be the nameplate rating of the appliance. Okay, so uh, so I'm using a branch circuit for one wall-mounted oven or one counter-mounted oven shall be the nameplate of the appliance. So you take you take the nameplate of the appliance. Now it says the branch circuit load. For a counter-mounted cooking unit and not more than two wall-mounted ovens, all supplied from a single brand circuit, so we're talking junction box, obviously, and, and located within the same room, so it's all in the same kitchen, if you will. It shall be calculated by adding the nameplate rating of the individual appliances together and treating this total as equivalent to one range. And then, of course, you treat it to equivalent of one range. Then you go back to the application where you then do just like what we did, depending on the size, and it's not over 12, and you go to column C. And there, if it's over, then over that value, then you're going to use note one, and you apply the same rules like you would anywhere else. So that's what it's saying here, okay, in that application. So in, so in applying that note for... Let's just look at some examples. Now, if I have a branch circuit, for example, that is feeding, I don't know, um, one 6 kVA wall-mounted oven. That's a pretty common application. So I'm feeding one 6 kVA, 6,000 watts, if you will, okay, 6,000 VA, if you will, all synonymous. Uh, then how is my math? Well, in our case, we're going to do 240-volt loads. I mean, that's... Uh, that's the voltage we're dealing with in a typical household application. So in that case, you're going to get into some calculations where it's 6,000 VA divided by 240. That's the voltage. So in this case, we have VA divided by voltage, or E, and that's going to equal 25 amperes. Okay. So the brand circuit load 
for one wall-mounted oven or one counter-mounted cooking unit must be the nameplate rating of the oven or the cooking unit in accordance with note four, as we just read of table 220.55, okay? So keeping that in mind. So here we're at 25 amps, okay? Now, other things to consider. This is 25 amps. And because we're less than 100 amps, and the conductor sizes are probably going to be 14 through 1, your mind's going to pull you to the 60-degree column for terminal limitations of 110.14, okay? However, you also have to remember that it's a 25 amp. So even though a 12-gauge, for example, is actually rated for 25 amps under 60-degree column, you're thinking, boom, I'm good. However, because it's 25 amps, you're going to have to, at a minimum, okay, at a minimum, you're going to have to size this at a 25 amp overcurrent device, okay, because the calculation came out to 25 amp as a minimum. Now, for this reason, then you can't forget that you have the small conductor rules for overcurrent protection in 240.4D. And in this case, uh, because it's 25 amp and it's over 20, then you're going to have to upsize it to a 10 gauge. And of course, you know, then that would be the, the minimum size that you could use in this application due to the fact that it's a 25 amp overcurrent protected device is the minimum for this application. Okay, so that's kind of an example of how you would follow that rule when you're working with that. Okay, now what about the example when I have a wall mounted oven, a wall mounted cooking unit, and two wall mounted ovens? Well, what we're trying to do is, like I just said, I want to take the nameplate of these, okay, of these cooking units or these cooking appliances, and I want to treat it as one range. I want to make it simple. I got I, you know, I, I want to do this and add it together. So, once I determine the KVA from one unit, okay, then I'm, I'm good set from each of the units. Once I add them all up and I've determined to treat it as a single unit, then I'm going to go to 220.55 column C and I'm apply total. Now, remember now, if the rating exceeds 12 KVA, Whatever I added everything up, and if that value exceeds 12 kVA, then I have a 5% for each kVA or major fraction that's 0.5 kVA or higher. Um, that is, the combined rated exceeds a 12. So remember, it's still one range because we're combining them to count as one. So then I'm still at 8 kVA, but for every kVA that it exceeds 12, then I have a 5%, and I'm increasing the 5% of the 8, okay? Not 5% of the actual rating of the, of the total of the range when you added them all up, okay? I mean, I'm increasing the, the, uh, the 5% is based on the actual maximum demand from the table column C, okay? Make sense? All right. Um, I'm trying to give you all the possible scenarios that you might run into. Okay, so let's just do the last one. Let's say... I have an application where I have that same uh, counter, uh, I have a 6 kVA counter mounted cooking unit, cooktop if you will, and I have say two 4 kW wall mounted ovens. And I'm going to run one branch circuit and it's going to come to a tap. And I'm going to make these taps and it's obviously in the same location where this oven and this cooktop are located. So what did it say do? It says add them together because it says that I can do this and treat it as one. 
So I'm going to take the 6 kVA. I'm going to add the 4 kVA for each two units. So that's 8 kVA. Add them together. That's 14 kVA. Now, I can now treat this as one range. Well, that's 14 kVA. And it does exceed 12 by what? 2 kVA. So that's 5 and that's 10. So it's a 10% increase. All right? Keeping that in mind. So what do I got to do? Well, I can take the original sensor, still only one range because we're combining them to count as one. I can do it two ways. I can use my calculator and take the 8 kVA times 10% or plus 10%. I'd use 10%. Or I can do the 8 kVA times 1.10. Okay, so if you have 100% and you want to add 10% on it, you just add the 10% onto the multiplication. So 8 kVA times 1.10 is going to be 8.8 kVA. And that's my KVA of this single range, which was really made up of what? A cooktop and two ovens, okay? Pretty simple, easy, straightforward type of math. Hopefully you, you understand how these rules apply. Um, uh, the last thing is note five, which says this table shall also apply to household cooking, uh, to household cooking appliance rated over one and three quarter kW and used for instructional programs. Uh, one thing to remember, if the cooking appliances, household cooking appliances are rated less than one and three quarter, you take them at face value. You don't get to apply any demands. Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, and so... That pretty much covers it. So again, when you're in a situation where you're taking an exam and you think about how you apply these, these aspects of this table, just relax. Think about what you're dealing with. Try to determine whether or not in your mind you're like, I always got to use column C unless, of course, note three applies. Because note one, note two all utilize column C in one way or another, whether or not I have to increase it or what. So if you kind of slow down and start thinking it that way, it's, it's pretty easy to work through all that. So hopefully you got something out of that. Um, if you are studying for an exam, you need help, go look into our Fast Tracks program on masterthenec.com. It's a great program. It's, a, it's intensive. Uh, it'll take you quite a while to finish it. There is a lot of exams. And let me tell you, when you get to the exam portion, there's over 20 plus exams and three uh, exams that are really timed and, and they're pretty tough. If you start averaging higher than 80% in these exams, you're going to have no problem passing any NEC-based exam, I can promise you. Now, we're only going to teach you code, but we're going to teach you calculations. There's a lot of videos. There's a lot of podcasts incorporated in the Fast Tracks program. So if you really, really, really need to pass your exam, uh, the cost is $499.95. And let me tell you what, it's worth every penny because you get my undivided attention there has an internal component that allows you to connect with me or anybody here at my office directly without doing anything outside of the software. You don't have to download anything. It's all online, and it's the most extensive program, and you get to move at your own pace. Uh, there's a lot of reading involved, so you have to read the material, and then you're going to take tests at the end of each unit at the end of each section and test your knowledge. And if you don't feel like you got a good enough score, Go back and do it again. There's also these unit exams that I'm going to grade personally and give you feedback on. That way you can learn what you might have gotten wrong. Okay, It's a great program. I don't know of any program out there that's like it. Uh, so you're definitely paying more online at places for videos and DVDs where this is a true interactive. 
And you get access to all of these exams that you don't get in a DVD program. You don't get in a pure video program. It's just really going to help you pass your exam. So hopefully you got something out of this podcast today. Go to our website. Click on the links at the top. Uh, all of the links at the top are hoverable. It means you hover over them and you'll see other things drop down below them. Navigate our website. Um, if any of these free podcasts or videos are helpful to you and helped you pass the exam, I get thousands of emails and texts telling me how we've helped them pass exams. Go to the bottom of our main page on masterthenec.com if you feel obliged to donate to the cause to help pay for the the hosting and things that we do for these podcasts, please do so at the bottom. This paid account for this podcast is not cheap, okay? Um, So um, it's so that you don't have to worry about banners here when you're listening to my podcast. So go to the bottom and donate if you feel that that you have that desire to help us out uh, or get the program. Again, thanks for listening to our podcast. Until next time, stay safe. God bless. Looking bright Every day is another